And if you'll turn with me into your, in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 11. And if you're using one of the pew Bibles in front of you, it's found on page 1,171. We are finishing up Paul's thoughts on the coming day of the Lord and sort of what we started studying last week. Um, last week, we kind of focused on death. What happens to believers who had died before the second coming of the Lord? And we found out that there was real hope given in the resurrection, that Christ was raised from the dead, and that is promised for us as well, that we will raise and join Christ in the second coming. Now this week, we kind of take a similar vein, except it's for the question of what happens to believers who are alive when Christ returns? How will we prepare for Christ's return? And this passage is actually going to show us that the Thessalonians have some anxieties, and we might have some anxieties as well, but we can rest on God knowing what He has already done and will do and has called us to do and that He will not abandon us. So this is a reading from God's Word, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 11. Now, brothers, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Well, people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not, not in darkness, so this day should not surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we know that our anxieties are real and that we get stressed out and uh, we get worried. Um, but we pray that as we look through this passage that we can see that um, we are not to hold on to those as our own, as things to be solved by our own hands, but instead we can place them in your care. That you have called us not to live a life of worry and anxiety, but called us to live a life following you under your control, under your guidance, and under your peace. We pray that ultimately we see that we are your children and that you who have called us will not abandon us. In your name, amen. Think about the last time you were anxious about something. It could be work-related. It could be health-related. It could be that people were coming over to your house and you said, there's so much to do. There's dishes. We got to get that done. We got to clean the living room. It could be this morning before worship. Are we going to get there on time? Do I have the right clothes? Is, is everything ready? Are the kids going to be ready on time? Or it could be relationship anxiety, those dreaded words, we need to talk. Just send a chill down your spine. What are we talking about? Just, can you just tell me? Can we just talk about it now? So think about one of those times. When were you last anxious? What did you do? How did you get over your anxiety? We could, you might have solved it by doing. People are coming over, I'm anxious about the dishes, I got the dishes done, my anxiety solved. It could be about thinking about the future of, 
oh, well, you know, the worst case scenario really isn't that bad, so I'm going to be okay. Of course, that could go the opposite direction and say, wait, there's worst case scenarios out there that I didn't think about, and now I'm really upset. Or there could be the case that the event just needed to take place, and after the event happened, the anxiety was gone. Of course, these aren't great solutions, and, but I do think it's good to get into the framework of where our anxiety comes from and how we get anxiety, because that's how the Thessalonians were feeling about the coming day of the Lord, about God showing up saying, we need to talk. They were anxious, and maybe that's how some of you feel today. But God doesn't want us to sit in our anxiety, especially when it concerns our relationship and standing with Him. He wants us to see that He is the one that we can turn to, that rescues us, that saves us, that brought us out of the darkness into the light. So let us walk through this passage this morning seeing three things. First, the anxiety caused by the coming day of the Lord. Second, our response to the coming judgment. And finally, what God does in judgment. So our anxiety of judgment, our response to the coming judgment, and what God does in judgment. So first, our anxiety of the coming judgment. As we talked about last week from this passage, the Thessalonians had questions about death and about the coming day of the Lord and what God's going to do in judgment. And Paul kind of took up the response and said, I will answer these for you. And sort of this, we can tell that there has been false information being spread to the Thessalonians, especially from previous passage of, hey, if, if a believer had died before Christ came back, maybe they weren't a believer. So Paul answered that question. But now the question kind of comes, well, what happens to believers when the second coming, when judgment comes? How are we supposed to be prepared? How are we supposed to be ready? How are we supposed to be in right standing before God? Is there going to be judgment? Can we prepare for it? Now, before we give the Thessalonians too hard of a time of freaking out about the coming day of the Lord, let's be honest with ourselves and take it seriously. There is going to be judgment. There's going to be a time where God shows up and says all the sins of the world, all the sins that we have committed need to be accounted for, need to be paid for, and God's wrath will be poured out, and it's going to be scary. And no doubt the Thessalonians heard the Old Testament passages about the coming day of the Lord. They said, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy hill, let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming." The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. The day is coming and it will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and the day that is coming will set them on fire. There is a reasonable sense of fear that the day of the Lord will be a scary time because it's God's righteous anger and judgment that will be poured out and revealed upon the land. And this is the same with us, is, is imagine all your sins laid bare in front of you. Everything that you have done wrong, all the shame you have felt for your sins will be put in front of you and said, this is the time of judgment. Those sins that we try to hide, that we, that we desperately want no one to find out about, will be put in front of us and will be judged. And, and imagine now that you don't know when it's going to happen but you are being told over and over and over again, it's coming soon. Be prepared. The day of the Lord is coming. The day of judgment is coming. And maybe you're not scared about the day of judgment because you're like, well, it's been 2,000 years. But, but imagine now someone saying to you, a financial audit is coming. 
we are going to look over all your finances. It might happen soon. It might happen tomorrow. We don't know when it's going to happen, but good luck. You'd say to them, just tell me a time, please. I will be prepared if you just tell me a time. But now you're just making me worry. And this is sort of how the Thessalonians were feeling. And imagine now that it's not a financial audit, but it's the coming day of the Lord. God's going to come, and God's going to judge you, and you need to be prepared. Well, just give us a time or date. But they aren't given a time or date, and neither are we. Even Jesus says he doesn't know the day or hour. Only the Father knows when the second coming is happening. And, and let's put this sort of practically in our own lives. Maybe you don't have anxiety about the coming day of the Lord, but you, you're anxious about other things. Where does our anxiety spring up? Well, one, we have the tendency to obsess about the future, right? What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen next month? What's going to happen next year? Are we, are, what, what's going to happen in this political climate? What's going to happen if, if all of a sudden, you know, a war breaks out? Or what happens in the financial markets? Or what's going to happen? And we kind of have anxiety about that stuff. Or maybe we have anxiety because we just say, okay, I, my, my dependence is on me. I need to do the right thing. If I just do the right thing, then it will work out. And I got to make sure that I, I, I got my list. I have to go through my list. I have to get everything done, and then I'll be okay. And we get anxious about making sure those lists are completed every day. Or maybe we put something, uh, put uh, greater worth or effort towards something than it should be. You know, this is especially true of kids where they just want that toy so bad, right? I just want this toy. If I just get this toy, I'll be happy. And then if the toy breaks, it's a meltdown, right? It's a meltdown because it's like, no, my favorite thing is gone, and I'm, I'm anxious, and I'm worried, and I, will it ever be broke? Well, can you fix it? Please, can you fix it? And sort of with the Thessalonians, instead of God calming their anxiety, and instead of God, we going to God calming our anxiety. And instead of God giving them what could be the easiest solution, here's a time and date of when I'm returning, and maybe telling us how our lives are going to work out. He doesn't. Why? It's because our anxiety and the Thessalonians' anxiety came from a place of pride. It's all about taking up the concerns of the day of the Lord and the coming judgment and entrusting themselves with the solution instead of trusting God. Obsessing about the future and saying, my standing before the Lord depends on my actions and my works. If only we knew a time or date, I could be ready. But can any of us be ready for God's judgment based on our works? No, of course not. But we do the same thing, right? Our anxiety comes from a place of pride because we believe if, if I just knew how the future was going to work out, if I just do step A and step B and step C, then I'm going to get a solution. But that's all putting our dependence on our own actions and ourselves, which is not the way that it's supposed to be. Anxiety is actually a distrust of God because we're placing pride in ourselves. We are saying to God, I don't trust you. I don't believe you care for me. I don't believe that you will watch out for me. I need to watch out for myself. And it's not just the Thessalonians that have pride in their anxiety. It's also people have pride in their own security. Look at verse 3. It says, Well, people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. What Paul is probably referencing here is the idea of Pax Romana, those years of peace and security throughout the Roman land 
in which everything was good, in which there was little wars, little fights, little battles, where, where there was financial prosperity. So there's people standing there going, the empire is secure, I'm secure, my life is good. It's all about me. I did it. We solved it. We figured it out. Everything is going to work out for good. But the sin here is that people are putting trust in themselves, the pride. Either I have it all together. And we, and we do this in our culture too, right? I mean, we have people who step up saying, look, if you're just like me, if you just get a job, you'll be fine. If you just, you know, if you work hard like me, everything will be fine. Peace and security. I have the right relationship. I have the house. I have the car that I want. But it's all about them. It's all about what I did. And this couldn't be more opposite of what God calls us for. So what are you anxious about today? It might not be the coming day of the Lord, but where in your anxiety are you placing pride and taking up all the concerns you have and putting them on yourself instead of entrusting them to God? Where are we distrusting God because we believe we can handle it ourselves? This passage is calling us to renounce of our sinful desire to know the future and to be in control. And now I do want to take a side note that if you, if you suffer with anxiety, there should be no shame in suffering with an affliction, and an addiction, or a sin. But there should be repentance. There is the difference between shame, which says, this is who you are, and guilt, saying, this is what you have done. I do not want you to walk out of here feeling like a failure because you have worries and you have anxiety. Because your sins are not who you are, but it's something to be repented of. Because God has not called us to be anxious about the future because he loves us. Something as big as the coming day of the Lord of judgment, which can make us anxious, or something as small as our day-to-day lives, that little thing that is just gnawing at you. God calls us in both scenarios to walk by faith and not by sight. So God doesn't give us the solution we want. He doesn't tell us how our future is going to work out. He doesn't tell us the time or date of the coming judgment. He doesn't say, hey, I'll make sure your life works out exactly the way you want it to be. But instead, he actually gives us the right solution by saying, I'm going to give you a proper response to my judgment. And the proper response that we are to have is to be faithful with integrity and intentionality. This is the part of the passage that makes us clear where we stand before God. You are either children of the light and of the day, or you are part of the darkness and the night. But you know what's cool about this passage? Is in both scenarios, they are not based on our works and our actions. Look back at verse 4 and 5. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so this day should not surprise you like a thief. You all are sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be self-controlled and alert. We are to be faithful to what God calls us to. And And do we see that Paul says, Paul answers, we don't need anxiety about our standing before God because our standing is based on what God says about us, not our actions. It's not that since you're self-controlled, since you figured it out, since you did good, you're children of the light. And it's not that since you've sinned, since you've done all these things wrong, you're part of the darkness. No, it says, because you have followed me, because you've called out to me, I have brought you out of the darkness. 
So it's not based on the day-to-day -day actions of our lives. It's not that, oh, you sinned today, so now you're part of the darkness. You better ask for forgiveness real quick before the day of the Lord comes. Or it's not, hey, I've done all these good things, so now I'm a part of the light. It's God is the one who calls us children of the light and brings us in. So then what are we supposed to do? Well, look back at verse 6. It says, be alert and be self-controlled. We are to be faithful in what God says about us and where God puts us. We are to act as we've been called, as children of the light. The whole issue here is why do we do good? Is it because Christ is coming? Hide! Better hide your sins. Better get your heart in order. Better get your household in order. Better do good because God is coming soon. No, that's, that's living out of fear and out of earning our salvation. No, we actually go to God and God says, because you are children of the light, because I love you, act this way. And it really comes down to first, integrity. What do you do when no one's watching? And if you've had children or worked with children or even, you know, teens in the youth group, um, you, you sort of say, hey, I don't want you to touch this, right? I don't want you to touch this vase. Don't touch the vase. And you know, while you're in the room, they don't touch the vase, right? They're very, they're very good about that. The question then comes when you leave the room, do they touch the vase or not? Now, if they don't touch the vase, you're hoping that they're doing it out of love, right? Hey, I'm not, you know, you left the room. You know, I'm, I'm not going to touch the vase because they love you. They respect you. But if you leave the room and they touch the vase, the likelihood over here was they were just obeying you out of fear <laughs> or to earn your favor. And this is the same with us and God is when God gives us commands, when he calls us to have integrity, it's not because of the coming day of the Lord, of you better watch out, I might show up, you better not be doing that sin because I might come soon. It's because of what God says we are. We are his children, and he loves us, and he cares for us. And it also comes down to intentionality, which, which I know for me personally is something that I struggle with and, and probably still struggle with today because I know I'd rather not live an intentional life. I'd rather do sort of as I please as I go along, but this passage is very clear. As, as children of the light, we are called to be intentional. We are called to be sober-minded, to have clear-headedness, to have a posture of alertness and watchfulness instead of just wasting our days. Because our temptation is, uh, the passage given here is, is to drink excessively or to play video games or watch TV excessively or to be on our phones constantly or talk and gossip excessively or to be mean and not be intentional and just say, oops, I didn't mean to do that. But no, actually what this passage is saying is as children of the light, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be living a light that focuses on Him. That you take on the role and title that God has given us as children of the light. So what do we do in response to our anxieties? We don't abandon God's call and do what we think would help our anxieties the most, either finding a solution in our own wisdom or lying to get the job we want or, or just throwing our hands up and living a frivolous life of, well, it's too hard, it's too difficult, I, I give up, whatever, I'm just going to live the life that I want to live. We actually live the life that God calls us to, taking what he says about us, that we are children of the light, instead of what our anxiety might say about us. Failure, insecure, hopeless. So we have seen that whether we put pride in boasting in our works, hey, I figured it out, or pride in our anxiety of saying, I need to figure it out because it's based on me, that both are wrong. 
And instead, we are to live a life moving in the direction of faith, of having integrity and intentionality. And then finally, we see actually how God deals with judgment, or what he does in judgment. And here's where the Thessalonians' answers get questioned, Thessalonians' question gets answered in the clearest terms. And usually the question that we have over and over and over again when we sin, when we do wrong, when we're not sure that life is working out the way that it should be, the question that we have is, what is my standing before God? What is my position? What is my relationship with Him? And we have the clear answer in verses 9 through 11. Look with me. This is the gospel. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. And right here it says that who we are is based on who God is and what he has done. We don't have to have anxiety because we are his children and we have been predestined. We have been called into his kingdom. We are not destined for wrath. We are destined for salvation. And as much as we want in our anxieties to say, I'm the one who figured it out. I'm the one who needs to do the work. I'm the one who has to make sure that my life is secure. I'm the one who needs to present myself well before God. It is actually in the gospel that it says that God is the one who chose. God is the one who did the work. God is the one who changed our hearts. And this is so major for our faith because if we need to really believe that God is the one who changed our hearts. Because if it is based on my works, it is based on my choosing, if it's based on my wisdom, then yes, I should be anxious about the coming day of the Lord. I should be freaking out every minute of the day going, am I in right standing? Do I have enough forgiveness? Have I repented enough? Am I good enough? But right here, this actually gives us the encouragement that we don't need to do this because it fights against our anxiety, fights against our temptation to earn our standing, and instead of being fearful of the coming day of the Lord, we get to stand because our salvation is not based on us, but based on what God did as revealed in the cross. And on the cross, what happened was all of our sins, all the wickedness, all the things that we should be judged for was placed on Christ. He lived the perfect life that we should have lived, and he died and accepted the wrath of God that we deserve. So that when we call out to him, when we say, Lord, forgive me for my sin, Jesus steps up in our place, being the perfect sacrifice, saying, I will take that sin. Place it on me. Do not place it on them. And we who were unable to see the light, unable to take on the wrath that Jesus took on, are no longer in the dark because God brought us out of the dark and brought us into the light and said, you are now my children. And now if you're not sure about your standing with God today, I want to make it very clear that there is a day of judgment coming. There is a day where you will need to stand before the Lord and answer for your sins. And the peace and security that you have in this life, the good works that you think you do, will be nothing compared to what you owe him for abandoning him and rebelling against his kingdom. And the only way to get out of the judgment, out of the darkness, is to be honest that you deserve it, that you deserve judgment, that you are in the darkness, that you have sinned, that you have rebelled against God. And if you call out to him pleading for forgiveness, God will say to you, my child, welcome home. 
And there is the truth, though. I don't want us to say that we cannot be worried ever or that we can't go to God in our worries because we should. Any anxiety, any worry that we have should be brought to God and placed before Him. So when we are anxious, we remember in God's judgment how it was secured, that it was placed on Christ and that He did not abandon us. Because even Jesus, before the cross, what happened? He went to the garden and said, if this cup can be taken from me, take it. But what did he respond after that? Your will be done. Your will be done. Why? Because he knew the love. He knew the control of the Father. And what the Father said about him, he said, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So we get to take our worries to the Lord. Pray to God. Call out to him. Say, hey, I, I'm worried about this situation. I'm worried about my relationship. I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about my finances. I'm worried about my job. But then, after we say, God, I'm putting it in your hands. Your will be done. Your will be done. So when we're worried, we need to remember the love of God at the cross. Because he who saved us 2,000 years ago isn't going to just throw up his hands and go, well, that's too small of an issue for me to deal with. No, if he dealt with the biggest issue, our sins, our separation from him, our, our destination of hell, and he said, I will take care of this, he is not going to abandon you today. He is not going to give up on you today. Because when Christ took the cross, he took all our sin and he paid for them and he predestined to do this before the creation of the world. Not because we were good, he knew we were going to be good people, not because he knew we were going to figure it out, but because of his love, he chose us. And he did not destine us for wrath, he destined us for salvation. He did not destine you for destruction, to be destroyed in your anxieties. He destined you for peace and care and comfort. And it is actually resting in God that our anxiety of judgment, of failure is lifted. As soon as we are convinced that God cares for us, then our minds will have peace. We will live as children of light, not out of fear, but out of love. Because ultimately, we are headed to that day of judgment. But on that day, we are going to stand before God, knowing that our deserved wrath was cast upon Christ. And when we have anxiety today, we get to turn to God and say, your will be done. You rescued me once in the darkest place of my life. You will rescue me again. And a few months ago, I had a friend who um, had a newborn son, and uh, his son was born premature, and it was in uh, the NICU unit. And not only that, he had bleeding in his brain, stage four bleeding, um, which isn't fatal, but incredibly dangerous. And he also had seizures. And uh, it was a terrifying time for that family. And when I got the update from my friend, he was telling me about how he could take his son home. They would have to give him a lot of medicine, but he could take him home. And, and this is what he said. Overall, it has been encouraging talking with doctors, and they are pretty encouraged by how he is doing. Thank you for praying for him and for us. We'll update you if anything changes. And even I start to have anxiety about that situation, thinking about what would I do if that happened to my child? But then we can remember that if we have humility, not pride in, in ourselves, not pride in, in medical procedures, not pride in, in what we do, but instead we can turn to God, knowing that He's in control and that He cares for us. And that that boy and that father 
and us are his dearly beloved children. And he says about us, you are my children whom I love. With you I am well pleased if you are in Christ. In everything, in anything, we can turn to God in our worries and say, your will be done. Because he rescued us. He didn't abandon us. He didn't abandon us to our sins. He rescued us from them. And I, I know it sounds very simple, <laughs> and it is. It changes everything. If we are willing to give God all our worries, he will give us divine care and love. If we give him our anxieties, then he will give us peace, because we are not destined for wrath, destruction, or ruin, but we are destined for salvation. And remember that he who calls you is faithful. He will not abandon you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are worried at times. Um, we get anxious. We get nervous. Um, but we pray that in that time that we don't focus on the things that we can control, the things that we do, that, that if only we had this, if only we had this thing, if we only got the future known, if, if only we were able to control the outcome, that we'd be okay. But instead, we know that ultimately you're in control, that we take our worries and anxieties, hand them over to you, and say your will be done, and rest in your peace always reflecting on the cross, reflecting on the gospel, that you saved us in spite of our sin, that you loved us and cared for us and brought us in, and that you will not abandon us ever, not in this life and not in the life to come. In your name.